0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. I'm
1: a nerd, he's a nerd, welcome to the Nerd Show. Podcast Radio. She's a nerd, he's a nerd, talking about what we know. Nerd podcast Radio. They're all nerds, we're all nerds. Buckle up, cause here we go.
2: Podcast Radio.
1: Welcome everybody to the Nerd Podcast Radio. Welcome everybody to the Nerd Podcast Radio. Welcome
0: to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host today, Super Vegan Brian. I'm joined by many wonderful people. I am joined by Kirstie Smurfarka.
3: Hola.
0: David Theobald III. Hey, everybody. And we have some very special guests this morning. I'm going to save our newest for last, but we're joined by freelance game designer, Mike Myler. Mike My Prime in the house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we have a very special guest. We've been trying to get on the show for since the founding of the show. Um, I have so much stuff to say about Clinton J. Boomer, so I'm going to. It's just overwhelming, so I'm gonna let him introduce himself. Hello, Boomer.
1: Well, hello. I'm Clinton J. Boomer. I am a uh, freelance game designer, uh, like Mike Myler, who is amazing and who I'm very excited to be on the show with. That like pleases me more than I could possibly say. Um, I am a freelancer for Pizo, I'm a freelancer for uh, Valve. I am a freelancer for any other number, huge number of companies uh, zombie sky press and, uh, uh, kobold and, uh, uh, storm bunny studios, which is where I'm doing the majority of my work these days. And, uh, I also, I have a novel called the hole behind midnight and, uh, yeah, just a bunch of oh green Ronin. I did some stuff for green Ronin as well. So, which I was, I was like to tag onto my, my, my CV because they're, I'm just so, so proud of that work that I did. And, uh, so that's who I am. And I am excited to be on the show because I never get, I don't, I don't get to do anything fun, Brian. I just don't. <clears throat> and this is fun for me, so I'm really really glad to be here. That's really all this show is. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just an opportunity for us to hang out, um, curse a lot and talk about nerdy stuff.
1: That the, the American dream. I love it.
3: <laughs> it it's definitely mine. I love this.
0: <laughs> um, so um disclaimer. Ooh. Um, Erica and I I don't know about David. David, have you read Hole Behind Midnight? I have not. Erica and you I... You are
3: wrong, sir! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ap- Apologies? <laughs> Erica and I have read Hole Behind Midnight and are giant superfans.
3: Brian, don't give it away. I was trying to be cool, man.
0: Oh. <laughs> it's impossible. I mean, Boomer's met me in person. He knows I'm not cool. What?
3: <laughs> he, he has not met me, so don't give away the illusion.
1: Well, I, I mean, I thought you were cool, Brian. I thought we, we had, a, I mean, we there was the, the dumb otjog jokes. I mean, come on, man. They're, what's cooler than dumb otjog jokes? Well, that's true. Yeah, or Odiyug. Is that is that how is that how the cool people pronounce it? I've always pronounced it odjog, but that's, that's me. Pro, that's problematic. Odjog.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I went from Yug to um, what people, you know, after playing with a lot of people and every most people say Otyug. That makes perfect sense to me. I yeah. kind of figured that the name came from them, so it's probably something like, eh, eh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was trying to make it kind of sound like like the sound you would make while you were pooping. So it's just Otyug.
2: <laughs> that's kind of the,
1: that the feel I got from it. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. So, All
0: considering right. who our guests are, we have an amazing topic on adventure writing and tabletop RPGs. But first...
3: But first, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You? Where each person talks about the nerdiest thing they did in the last two weeks. And then we vote using Mike Myler's patented widget system.
1: Ooh... I'm not sure I know where my widgets are, but I'll, I'll I'm gonna look. They may have, they may fall under the couch, so we'll I'm just gonna keep an eye on you guys.
3: Well, there are
0: how many of us are there? I can count, count off. One, five. three, five. five. We have five. So when you get to the end, you'll have six widgets to distribute. We're gonna try to do this as quickly as possible since there's so many of us. Um, but the very important question I have for you,
1: Boomer, is what was nerdy with you? I I don't do a whole lot of nerdy stuff in my day to day life. Um. So, I
0: I was looking at your Tumblr schedule with your busy life you're still maintaining regular posts so there's some nerdy there. <laughs> I
1: really do try. Like Wait, it's You still it's, use Tumblr? I do still use Tumblr and not for any good reason. It's wow. not It's I haven't yet trained myself to like use any other system I guess like I posted on my Patreon like once or twice being like oh, I'll use this thing and every time I'm like uh is this, like, the interface for Tumblr better and like now that there's now that Tumblr's a fucking ghost town it loads super fast <laughs> <coughs> so, like any <coughs> like yeah there was a time when you had to be like, like, oh man, I wonder if Tumblr's going to be running slow today. And the answer is no, Tumblr's running great today because no one's on it. Um, isn't that?
3: The, isn't that because they took porn off of it? Yes.
1: yes oh yeah, that's yeah. Precisely why. That is exactly why. And it's at just at this
4: point to take all of your content off of Tumblr to another site, it would be faster for you to learn how to code to make a robot do it than to fit like to, to just do it yourself because you've got like what like a thousand, two thousand
1: pages. I, I have some huge absurd number of pages. Like I think every page has 10 items on it. And I know I have over a hundred pages and it's cause the, the attempt was, this is okay. There's th- a l- just a little insight and not, not to derail the game. Um, I at one point applied. this is several years ago, but I, I, I applied to a job and it was for like professional game design. And I remember getting, and I, I don't want to like name names or, or, or say what company it was, but I was sent this like, Oh, Here's like some like a questionnaire like basically this is like a test to like see how good you are at game design and one of them was uh, feats and they were like here is a feat this feat does not work like so there's something wrong with like there's a word problem like basically fix it and I was like okay like the language like they used uh, uh, first person in the opening like the, the what should be italicized and instead of second person and there were just all these errors and I'm like I don't know this well enough like I. I honestly, it, like for me to try to pass this test would be cheating because I don't know this. And I really like stopped. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to learn this. I want to learn how to actually do the thing that they want to hire me to do. I'll come back later. And I like tried to like very, like very politely, like bow out of the companies. Like, please remove me from consideration for the job that I applied for. And I will come back to you when I actually can do the job. And that that that's entirely the reason that I started posting on Tumblr. Where I'm just like I'm just going to start doing the job, and then eventually maybe maybe I'll be like worthy of being paid to do it. Um, long story short, but yeah. And then I just kept that up for like five years, and so now I, I have I have way too many way too many things on my Tumblr. Uh, the nerdiest thing that I did recently was watch Spider Man Into the Spider Verse on Netflix three times in a row, and I'm not even sorry. Nice. I that wouldn't be either. Awesome. Yeah, I just I just I didn't see it when it was in theaters. Like I was just really busy. I remember like seeing the ads like I would walk past that in the mall and be like, oh, honey, we have to watch that. And Kate was like, Okay, cool, cool, cool. Like we have two very small children and we're very busy and it's like Christmas time. But like, yeah, it's like as soon as soon as we get a chance, we'll watch it. And like it came out on Netflix and I watched it and then I watched it with Kate and then I watched it with my kids. And you know what? If I get an opportunity later this afternoon, I'm going to watch it like a fourth time. Like I just like I'm not like I'm not even sorry.
0: They're actually showing it in the park at Portland today. I They're can't, doing, can't like, think the, pro- well, the big awesome. giant projector. I'm I'm super I, – I, I'm tempted. <laughs> I might
1: she be going. should be tempted.
4: If <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen it, it's really good. My wife is not into superhero stuff, and I have to, like, fight with her to get to watch it. So I just, like, put it on. She's like, what's this? I was like, it's good. Don't worry about it. Then the Marvel thing came up. She's like ah, – and I was like, no, just wait. Just wait. Just give it, like, ten minutes. And she was hooked as soon as,
1: as, soon as I got, like, five minutes. My lord, that makes me so happy because I did, like – Kate, I, I explained to her what it was, and she, we were like two minutes in, and she's like, I don't think I like Spider-Man. i was like, <laughs> like, that's fair. That's fair, baby. You don't have to watch this with me. I've already seen it. And, like, by the end of the movie, she turned, she's like, I'm really glad we watched that. That was excellent. I was like, yes.
4: Oh, thank you, Spider-Man. Same fucking reaction. Yeah, she was like, that was just really good. I was like, right? It was objectively a good movie. It could have yeah. been about anybody other than Spider-Man. It still would have been fucking good. Like, if you haven't watched it yet, people, watch Spider-Man. All
1: yeah, right. I've been working on I have a tweet in the back of my head that I am going to I'm some at some point I'm going to tweet it. So this is the like I mean, when when you guys see it, like pretend to be surprised and like it and stuff. Um, But it's my one thing that I wanted to say publicly, like on the Internet, was that like I was ready for a Spider-Man who's not Peter Parker. Right. I was like emotionally ready for that. I'm like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Like, that's fine. And I was ready for say like a black Spider-Man. I was ready for a Hispanic Spider-Man. I'm ready for a Spider-Man who like uh, speaks Spanish. I'm ready for, I'm definitely ready for a Spider-Man who like is at the very beginning of his journey. Like who doesn't know anything about his powers. Like I, I'll watch the Spider-Man origin story a million times. I love that they twisted it up. Like I love Miles Morales and like, I loved it. I mean, no spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yet, but like Miles Morales is like, he's, he's our main character. He is our Spider-Man. Like, you fucking love him. And then they played us that song and it's, it's, Miles Morales sings it to himself at one point And then he's like, sings it to himself again. And like, it's a major theme and it's a song by Post Malone. And I don't like Post, I don't hate Post Malone. I just don't like Post Malone and I don't like that song. And, like, i mean, I don't hate that song. And then I found I had to look it up. That song was fucking written for Spider-Man. Like, that, that's not a song oh. that they decided to use in Spider-Man. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for a Spider-Man who has just shitty taste in music. And then I had to think about it. I'm like, actually, I think maybe canonically Spider-Man does have shitty taste in music. And now, I'm like, I don't, like, I can't think of a version of Spider-Man where I'm like, yeah, that guy, in addition to all his sp- spider-based powers, also has really excellent in music. He
4: has corny taste in music is yeah. what I call
1: Yeah. Yeah, like like I feel like teenage, like like Miles Morales should like Post Malone, and I, as an old sodded bastard, I should be judging him for that. I should be like, oh Miles, you don't understand that Post Malone is shit. And like, I don't know. I that's been really like in a lot in my head. Anyway, I can't condense that down into a tweet yet, but when I do, you guys will be the first.
0: Do we just skip the rest of the game and listen to Boomer rant about Spider Man for another thirty I mean, minutes?
4: I mean, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, down.
0: Like, how about that end
4: scene, dude? How about that end scene, dude? I'm so stoked for that. I have the entire comic series that character. I I am so
1: fucking ready for that. Do you know that that does not surprise me at all? Because, like, Kate looked to me, and she's like, ooh, what do you know about Spider-Man 2099? I was like... <clears throat> I know exactly nothing, but I have a very good friend named Mike Myler who I am certain could tell you at least some information about him.
4: Alchemax, and it's terrible because like that, like that, 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 series was the seed that destroyed the 2099 comic line, which was really? really amazing up until they revealed like who's behind Alchemax and and what Alchemax is, and it just went real sideways so hard.
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, it was a tragedy all right well because I, I know nothing about it i want to talk to you about it okay oh oh here can well, I, do, I have an idea can i do the past though sure because someone asked me what's nerdy with you and i was gonna ask myler hey mike what's nerdy with you <laughs> oh you are so good at this boomer
0: uh
4: runner up i ran two continuous miles yesterday which is a lot i weighed 240 pounds i don't know how i did it and the nerdiest thing uh so my boss is running a Kickstarter right now that I did a whole bunch of stuff for and I'm helping with or whatever. And I'm not kidding. I've already checked it three times since we started recording. And that's been like my life for the past four, three weeks, three weeks, two weeks. I don't know. Too long. I live <laughs> by updating that Kickstarter page now and then like tweeting as soon as it's like, oh, another hundred bucks. Oh, another $1,000. Oh, fucking a minute passed. And it's yeah. Yeah. Dude,
1: so it, I'm so proud of you. And that's so amazing. Like, but I just I, I just want to throw out there. I don't know if running and making money. I think those are more like successful things and not necessarily nerdy things.
4: Well, I wouldn't. That's why they're runner-ups. <laughs> if it wasn't so obsessive, if I wasn't oh, okay. obsessing over refreshing the Kickstarter page and checking it again and checking it again and checking it again, I would. I would agree. Oh,
1: okay,
4: okay, I feel you. I think when you do something like 120 times a day, it has reached nerd <laughs> levels. No matter what you're doing, really.
1: I respect that. Uh, I- I remain not unconvinced. What about Erica? What are you up to, Erica?
0: What was your nerdy oh. thing, Mike? I thought that was your runner-up. No, yeah. the runner-up was the running. Oh, I, yeah. I'm. Oh, so checking the Kickstarter. Okay.
3: Um. So my nerdy thing is I got, and it's a two-parter, but it's all the same thing. I got a uh, tour of Dark Horse Studios, oh, which that's was amazing. So cool. Amazing. Ooh. Ooh. So cool. Yeah, so I'm writing a piece um, for uh, the Umbrella Academy, and I reached out, and the wonderful publicist there, Megan, uh, gave uh, me a tour of Dark Horse, and I got to go to all the places, and they gave me a cool Hellboy poster, and they're going to be mailing me some cool swag as well, so I'm excited about that.
1: That's incredible. But, I'm super excited to read this piece as well. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: the cherry on top was I then got to uh, have an hour-long interview with uh, Mike Richardson himself. So um, it was amazing. We talked about all the things that Dark Horse is doing and etc. And he is just a super cool guy. Um and he offered to set up an interview for me uh, with Gerard Way and Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Baugh as well. Whoa. <laughs> so, so I'm super excited. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my nerdy thing.
2: <laughs> and holy shit, Erica. I mean, Brian, do you have the idea you were
0: competing with that? I yeah I kind of did I mean I was I mean she she did it the day before the wedding because Dark Horse is out here and she visited right. them while she was out here.
3: I
1: mm-hmm. said that's that. was, that's, that's it was like a two birds one stone thing. Like that might be yeah. the two <laughs> biggest birds I've ever seen.
3: <laughs> <Man>.
1: <laughs> I mean.
3: Yeah. So so I'm very excited. Uh, what turned into because uh, first my editor handed it to me. Netflix reached out and said, hey. Would you like to write a piece on the Umbrella Academy? And he was like, hey, do you want to do that? I was like, sure. So, and then I was like, great, I'll talk to Netflix, but I also want to talk to Dark Horse. And so it's turned into like a three-piece article, uh, Netflix, uh, Dark Horse, and the actual creators. So I'm I'm very excited.
0: Erica, what publication are you writing
1: for?
3: Uh, Grit Daily.
1: Well, I so. will, will you be sharing that link?
3: Yes, when, when it's once done, it's up.
1: When <laughs> yeah. Certainly not. <clears throat> Not yet, but I'm, I'm very, very excited.
3: Me too, me too. What about you, David? What's nerdy with you?
1: Well,
2: uh, what er, Thursday was the 4th of July, so I went over to my friend Eric's house, who is someone I am actually GMing a 5th edition game for, and before we celebrated with his barbecued pork that we had, which was great, and the friends that came over, we painted minis like pretty much all day. It was fun. So that's my nerdy thing. I painted yeah. minis at a Fourth of July party while binge watching the first four episodes of Stranger Things.
1: Ooh, which I haven't started yet. That's pretty nerdy. Okay. That's oh, pretty... it's good. It's good. We were supposed to watch that last night, and it just well, no spoilers
2: about anything. It's freaking good.
1: Like up to like three in the morning, but it did. So, but there was there was no Stranger Things.
2: I would. Well, it's was... Uh, it's it's up now. Watching it when you can. It's only eight episodes. But okay. <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I was like super tempted to start watching it this morning, but my husband was downstairs making breakfast, and I figured if I did that, it might end my marriage. So I decided to not.
2: Yeah, I, I asked my girlfriend if she wanted to watch it, and she was like, "No," and I was like, "Okay, good. I won't start it over then."
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch that with with the fam. I I have my uh my father in law is uh, a super nerd, but he also is like super busy, so he. Uh, like we were, we've been watching the, uh, Castlevania and we just yeah. had, we literally haven't finished season two yet.
2: Uh, Castlevania is good. Hey, Brian, what's nerdy with you?
0: Well, um, there are so many things. Um, I, I, um, had my wedding to a beautiful, amazing nerd who is the love of my life. And we, during the wedding, well, like whenever we saw each other after the wedding, it was like, um, this was fantastic. Um, can't wait to that Pathfinder game we have planned on August 10th. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) What are you playing on August 10th? Oh, we have a game planned with, um, people out here, like my first in-person home game in a really long time.
2: Wow. Nice, bro. Um,
0: and, um, I got to meet one of our podcast guests, Odin, at the, at the event. He came to the bachelor party and the wedding and it was just so freaking cool that he came out and we got to we got to see
2: him and hang out with him yeah
3: Oda, odin is awesome i mean i
2: i as much as i wish i could have gone i'm almost a little glad i didn't because i would have fanboyed so hard <laughs> i don't think you could have fanboyed harder than i did um
0: you know uh, gra- no no
3: no uh, brian you've never seen me fanboy harder than you
2: you have never seen me fanboy that that is true
1: this is, um, I think we're all we're all incredible fanboys in our own way. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to brag, but like, I sweated all over Joss Weed, like a lot, like, <laughs> it, like embarrassingly, like, I think he probably still tells the story, too.
0: <laughs> I did that with um, um, and Nicholas Brennan, the um, Xander. I oh, yeah. yeah, I was I was so clammy and I even warned him and he gave me a hug anyway.
4: I've learned That's... to be, like, very careful about my fanboying because, like, I got to meet two of my heroes, and that was a terrible disappointment. So, like, every time I see Sean K. Reynolds,
0: I'm just like, hey,
4: man, are you good? And he's like, I'm great. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave before I ruin this. Bye now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saw him at PaisalCon. He was cool. Super nice dude, yeah. No, oh, he's a super cool guy. The One of the weirder moments of my life, I was at uh, – uh, uh, geek Hole con in, um, uh, which is here in Wisconsin. It's in Madison. And I got flagged down, uh, not by uh, Monty cook who was standing there eating a hot dog, but by a Sean and who was like next to him, like drinking a cup of coffee. And I didn't like, I didn't see either of them. And there was, there was this like boomer 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 and i turned i'm like oh they're the two like two of the people i admire like most in the world and they're like hey what's up i'm like i'm getting a cup of coffee like cool good to see you and i I was like oh cool bye and left i was like that was that was really that was a really strange moment for me i like that that was like i and i again was like i'm gonna just leave this here i'm not like i'm gonna take a a page from the myler playbook where i'm just like i'm not i'm not adding to this conversation (laughs) like let's leave it and it, it worked out really fantastically for me but I, like, I definitely, given a chance, would have like definitely sweated all over. Uh, I mean, both of them, really.
0: That's fantastic. I, I want to end my nerdy thing with a quick Sean K. Reynolds story. D- um, do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> so he posted online that he was selling some minis on um, Etsy. And one of the minis was um, the Ostag, the Unslain Mini, the first mini that Eric – eric mona used in their campaign oh damn yeah. so i was like i have to have this so i um i ordered it and then i messaged um sean and i said thanks for posting those minis i just spent all my money before you posted them so i'm gonna be completely broke now i'm not gonna eat because of you thanks so much just joking around well <laughs> the um the package came in the mail and in addition to the mini it was filled with candy bars and ramen
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
1: He wow. is
3: like
2: one of the sweetest people. That's that's amazing. I uh, he genuinely <laughs> felt bad that you spent all your money on his mini.
1: Like, here's some ramen, bro. He's just he's looking
2: out. He's looking out for you. He wants to do. Yeah, it. he's a cool dude. Congratulations, Brian! You managed to guilt trip someone you admire.
0: <laughs> um, so now it's time for voting. Um, Boomer, you have six widgets. Who do you want to give them to?
1: <clears throat> okay, so I, I I can divide these up and you can give them to yourself if you like. I do I deserve 0 widgets in my opinion. But uh okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to take 4 of my widgets and I'm going to give them I'm going to give them to Erica just just to start cuz that's you had okay, I my nerdy thing was like watching a character created by Gerard Way cuz I understand he created Penny Parker. Yep. Yeah. Like that's and that's nerdy. Like I can Consider myself nerdy for knowing that. Being like, oh well, did you know? You know, I like I turned to, to my wife because she really enjoyed Umbrella Academy. I'm like, well, did you know? Oh, she's also a big um, uh, My Chemical Romance fan. Like, that's like one of the things I like about her. I was like, oh, by the way, darling, did you know that this character with the robot that holds zero candles to you interviewing Gerard Way? That's like, <laughs> like me knowing a fun fact about Gerard Way. That's not in the same solar system, to say nothing. Like, okay, that's to say same ballpark. So I'm gonna give four to that. That's incredibly nerdy. Um, I'm gonna and then I uh, I'm gonna give uh, uh, Myler Myler. You know I love you, right? Mike. I I don't need any of your widgets. It's all good, man.
4: I think uh, I'll wait for my turn to deliver widgets. Do what you will with your widgets. Okay. No, so your widgets. What I'm, well,
1: I'm just what I'm trying to tell you is you're not getting any of my widgets because I good. Don't, I deserve none of them. Thank you. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's fair. I just I say this out of respect. Like I want I don't want there to be any widget feelings between us. Um, so I'm going to, the, the, I'm going to give my other two, uh, to, to Brian. Cause I, I really, I, I liked your story about Sean K Reynolds and I liked the story about your wedding. So there you go. That's, oh. that was pretty nerdy. There you go. But and you we were, had, yours, was half, yours was half as nerdy. as
0: We Eric. had Lego candy on the tables. I saw those pictures. <laughs>
1: you earned were those. Yes,
3: and, and even better than that is Odin sat down with my daughter, Amelia and started building Legos with her. I, I with saw her that. Best. That was
2: amazing.
1: Okay, well, you're not getting any widgets for that, Erica. That's, you, that, those goes, widgets go to Brock. <laughs> absolutely.
3: And, it was his wedding.
1: <clears throat> absolutely. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say. And then, David, I don't – I, like, I want to give you if – I, if I had one more widget, I'd give it. I don't. Oh, well,
2: thank you. I appreciate it, but it's quite all right. Uh, the end. Mike, Myler, look, you got sick. Mike, Mike, what are you doing with your widgets, bro?
4: I'm going to give
2: one widget to Dave out of yeah.
4: my pity. So a pity widget for Dave. Sweet. I'm going to give hey, it to Erica because that is lost awesome, in the Dark Horse thing. But I have to give my, my three remaining to Brian because there is nothing nerdier than getting married. You are declaring that you are a lifelong, like, diehard, ride-or-die motherfucking fan. So I got to give my majority of widgets to you, Brian. <laughs> That's beautiful. Man. That was There was a certain kind of poetry there. That made me tear up a little bit, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've got oh. a point. You've committed. Poets do
4: not look or sound like poets until afterwards.
1: Well, wait uh, a minute. Did you write your own vows? No. No. Okay, so that that wouldn't count as fan fiction. No: <laughs> we. we um, <laughs>
2: and my
0: wife suffers. Dude. My wife suffers from really crippling stage fright, so it was hard for her to be up there already and having yeah. to say her own words would have just been way too much. So we decided not to just do them in private after.
1: I really respect that. You are a good guy.
0: You're okay, up, so Erica. I think, yeah, I
3: was going to say, I think it's my turn now. So, Myler dropped um,
4: ball. That's <laughs> all
3: right. I'm sorry. I'm Myler.
4: Myler. <laughs> I was busy thinking, like, ah, oh, I'm such a good modern poet. I'm so impressed with myself. <laughs>
3: well, I'm going to have to give uh, two of my widgets to Brian uh, because I had a great time at the wedding, and it was amazing. Um, and you would probably get all of them if uh, – Boomer uh was not on here, so sorry. <laughs> um I really uh love Spider-Verse myself. Uh and your kids are fucking adorable. Just so adorable. That I love correct. seeing the pictures of them. And your wife is gorgeous. So that is, you I mean not long. <laughs> so I am going to give uh two widgets to Boomer.
1: I will, Those are one for each of my kids, and my daughter. I'd like to add is now obsessed with Doc Ock. What she took from that movie is that Doc Ock is great. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's awesome!
1: Yeah, it's like uh, Moana, Doc Ock, and then I think all of the other. I think I think Poppy. After that, those those are her. Those are her number one fandoms.
3: Gotcha. My my littlest one, who's two and a half, her favorite is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen We Bear Bears on Cartoon Network.
1: I I have Netflix and that's it. So I I have not seen Bear. It's on Netflix. Yeah,
3: they oh, they have, they have I, it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah I'm
1: like I'm like an hour maybe from seeing Weebs. Let's okay. it.
3: Okay, <laughs> uh, she loves Bear Bears. It's her absolute favorite. I think it's actually meant for kids like seven and up. Okay, but she's just. It, it's a great show. It's a great show. So I, I feel you. Like everything is bears for her. Oh. And, and she's now into Chip and Potato, which is also on Netflix. So i have like seen that one. Yeah, that's. Yeah, she likes that one, too. Yeah. Um, and my last two widgets go to Mike. Uh, Mike Prime gets them because there is nothing more exciting than Kickstarters and, you know, moving forward with with projects. I just, I love that. So
4: I'm flabbergasted. Also, I realized I forgot to mention what the name of the Kickstarter is this whole time. It's called a touch more class.
0: Cool. You'll have time to promote stuff. Yes, at the I end. will. I will. I just I, sh- <laughs> I can't. Like, we're talking about
4: We're talking about like, this Kickstarter. My boss's Kickstarter. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Thank you very much.
1: I, I want to be clear. I can't imagine that anyone listening to this podcast is not aware of that specific Kickstarter because, like, I'm getting emails about it from, like, random companies. Like, I like it is super like, like it's huge. It's huge, Myler.
3: David, I think it's your turn. Oh yes,
2: yeah, so it is. Um, uh, Brian, you get four of my widgets. Uh, congratulations on the wedding. And then, uh, 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 Erica, you get the other two. Cause, goddamn, that's awesome. Brian, how about you? Where are you putting them? Well, ah. this is gonna be hard. Um,
0: so, well, I mean, boom. you're already winning, so. Boomer, while you didn't think that yours was, like, worthy of being nerdy, no, your, really? your rant and passion about Spider-Man earned you two because <laughs> I'm right there with you. And, David, I'm not giving to the, these to you out of pity. I'm giving these to you because I did the same thing on Fourth of July. And, nice. and binged. I watched the whole entire thing, so you're going to get oh, two, nice. too. Yay. Um, And then I only have two left, which is hard. Um, I'm going to have to give them to um, miler. And it's mostly for the running because I want to get back in shape myself. And I didn't know that you would put on so much weight. So uh, good for you for getting back to it, man.
4: Thank you. I, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, you just got to do it. It sucks. Ass. See, it. I
2: have the problem of, I was never in shape, so I have nothing to get back into. I don't, I don't think, it's
3: I, don't it's think. I don't think that's true. Like at every, Every point at some point, somebody was healthier than they are today because yeah, well, I need I to like start five. running too.
0: Yeah, some people are, are just always big people.
3: I'm I, one of those people.
4: And it's worth it to do research too because like it's – so like I'm – I have like a lot of good core muscles because I was a landscaper for five years, right? So like I'm just – you know under our, under the fat, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, but if you're like just out starting to like burn weight, there's better ways to burn weight than fucking run around. Right, and a that's like super taxing on your joints. So like if you're gonna exercise, do your research because it is worth the time you put in for the dividends that you will reap afterwards. So swimming,
3: just, swimming is one of the best ways to exercise, and it's very good on your joints.
4: It's the second best way to exercise. Uh, tactically, the best way to exercise is to have intercourse, and then it's swimming, and then it's running. But like if you're just trying to like burn fat and stuff, it's actually better to lift. Uh, but like I said, you should do your your research. Because, yeah, there's there's stuff you have no idea about exercising. Your gym teacher had no fucking idea what they were talking about.
0: Okay, like, Myler, just, I'm putting this in the pending topics. <laughs> we got to talk about Googling. fitness at some point. I'm going <coughs> to give my last widget to Erica. And before I um, announce the winner, I just want to put that I noted down that we're having Boomer back to talk about Spider-Man. Boomer and Myler. That will be the next Boomer and Myler for sure because holy Web crap. Of
2: clones? We can talk about Web of Clones.
0: Oh, okay, good. I have strong feelings about this. Down boy, Everyone down. Strong feelings we about have one. never done a just Spider-Man episode, so it, we yeah.
3: have not, and it's great timing because Far From Home opened this weekend. Oh yeah, I saw I that. have it yet. I
2: haven't seen it yet. Shut
3: I up. Still see it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see it right after this. So.
2: I'm
0: so excited for you. So I won. Moving on. <laughs> good for you, man. Congrats. Wait, you
2: don't say.
3: I love Can that the you. only thing that could have been nerdier than me actually getting to talk to Mike Richardson and going to get an interview with Gerard Way for Dark Horse was the fact that you committed your internal soul to your wife. And I love that. That's beautiful. Because I mean, your so wife easy. is amazing. I have the best sister in law.
2: Oh, she is awesome. I've met her once.
4: I don't want to say anything in the moment, but, like, the way you originally phrased your widgets to Brian, it sounded like your widgets could be bought. Because you were like, I had a really good time at the wedding. I was so happy I got to go. It's like, okay, man, it's like you paid $8 a plate for her to come. Like, you know, it's about $40 a
3: widget. No, he didn't pay anything for the plates. Mom put all the food together, and I put Uh all the tables up, and I helped make sure the tables were set. And we we did it as a family. It was a family event.
0: And I want to take a shout out to regular guest, Anna Meyer, who also came to the wedding and went to, came the day before and the day of and helped set everything
2: up.
3: She (laughs) did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I was amazing. so
3: excited to finally meet her because she's probably one of the coolest people I've ever met.
2: She is awesome. I've met her several times.
0: Damn, Adam I'm... Meyer is um, in your universe, Boomer and Michael. Michael. She is a cartographer that does a lot of work for Cobalt Press.
4: Ooh. Oh, she's, this is the fighter pilot, pilot lady, right? Yeah, the fighter yes. pilot lady. Yeah, yeah. She is freaking awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, so I, I, am just I didn't do shit for your wedding, Brian. I'm sorry. I, you know,
0: I'm sorry I didn't invite you. I, I felt like I didn't know you well enough, but now I'm starting to feel like I do. You're like my soul brother, Boomer.
1: Oh, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> All right, well when you do your 10-year anniversary or fifty For sure. Years, whatever. Whatever I don't know what I don't know how often people do like vow vowel renewal, but like yeah, just let me know. Just keep me keep me posted. For sure. But there's um, a big so,
0: I just want to. Oh, speaking, of, speaking of vows, we're going to talk about table RPG adventures today.
3: Woo! <laughs> I am not even remotely sure how that segued, but excellent job.
0: No, that was family guy That's segway. how segues work. You just say, speaking of the last thing you talk about, yes. and jump in, whatever it is. Um, tabletop RPGs are a lot of fun. A GM guides the players through an adventure where a story is created by all parties. But where do the adventures come from? Today, we'll talk about writing adventures for tabletop RPGs from a professional publishing perspective. Blah! I'm going to say that again. A professional publishing perspective. Alliteration is fun. And from a home game perspective. Um, We're going to do this a little differently than we normally do. We're going to split this into two parts. Um, We're going to start the first part kind of like an interview, asking Boomer and Myler questions about professional writing um, for tabletop RPGs. And then we're going to have a group discussion about adventures and tabletop RPGs. So, um, I will start with the first question. Um, one, well, we'll start with Boomer. Um, this is a really open-ended question, so feel free to answer it any way you would like. I will phrase my answer in the form of my thoughts on Spider-Man. <laughs> what, I, I don't even know what this is going to look like.
1: What kind of tabletop RPG writer are you? What kind of tip? That's a, that is the best question I've heard all day. Um, I would say as a, as a tabletop, uh, a uh, game designer, I really am a character focused guy. Like I love my action figures end of the day. Like I want like the most important thing to me as a GM, like I like to my mind, the, like the single most valuable book I probably ever bought as a, uh, as a GM was, um, it was called uncaged the faces of Sigil or Sigil sigil. However you want to pronounce the most important city in the setting. Um, for Planescape. And it was just like, here is a book full of really, really interesting characters who can bounce off of your NPC or like off of each other, off of your PCs. And they really, they fleshed out this massive city. And so that's what I, that's the kind of designer I am. I get obsessed with <clears throat> these characters, these like action figures, these like, Oh, here's a guy and here's what he's doing. Here's his plots. Here's his plans. Here's what he wants to do. Or like, here's this awesome, uh, interesting individual. Here's her relationship with like her sisters. Here's her relationship with her family. Here's her relationship with like the deity she worships. Here's like her plans. Here's what she wants to do. Like what would success look like for her? And like, that's, that's what I get into as a game designer. So, adventures at the end of the day adventures have to come out of that naturally where you go okay well here are all of the like here's the detailed list of the five to seven to ten to thirteen or whatever ways in which the characters will interact with the ongoing plots and plans of this one there's like this one singular really interesting npc like here's all the stuff that they might have to encounter like you think die hard die hard is important because of the villain. Like the villain sets everything into motion and your main character, he just has to fucking deal with it. Like he's like, ah shit. Okay. Here's what his henchmen is doing. Here's what his plan was. They have to, he has to puzzle all the shit out. He's got to shoot a whole bunch of dudes. And then at the very end, uh, there's, You know, and then at the very end, he gets his success. He finally gets to face his, his big, bad, evil guy. And there's an explosion in a tower and you're like, fuck, that was amazing. That was great storytelling. So to my mind, like when, when I, when I am a game designer, I'm like here, give me the tools. So that's why I get so into feats. I'm like, I want, I want a big, bad, evil guy who can do something really interesting. Something I've either never seen at the table or had never thought about doing at the table. And or or as a as a henchman, like oh I want my big bad evil guy to have a henchman who can fucking do whatever. And like isn't that interesting? So that's and then all of adventure design to t- for me comes out of that. Like you have to have your centerpiece, either the Emperor or Darth Vader or whoever it is. And you know, Sauron, like like you, you cannot have Lord of the Rings without Sauron. So like here he is, and then here's his Nazgul, and then here's, you know, oh he's trying to corrupt this other guy through the ring. That's the that so then the the adventure naturally spawns from the 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 establishment of the most interesting big bad that you can establish. Like Buffy does that I think I – don't, I don't want to say they did seven times because I think some, some seasons didn't have a particularly uh, captivating Big Bad Evil guy. But like I, will, I look at a season that I think really did did, it, did its job well and you go, oh, that always had the, an awesome Big Bad and they – the, it's just the characters dealing with that shit. So that's, there's, there's my answer, I guess, which had nothing to do with Spider-Man at the end. Cool.
0: David, like to... same question. What kind of tabletop RPG writer are you? Yeah. I'm not David. Michael. What the hell am I doing?
2: i was gonna say i'm not a professional (laughs) what are you talking about i told you this is what i said last night brian i said clinton's
4: gonna blow me out of the fucking water and what just happened i didn't even get in the water the water is gone he has blown the water off of the k and it is just sand i am landing in the sand all right Uh, well
0: i have a i have a follow-up question based on what clinton said that might help you um mike um he used the word game designer, and I hear you use that word for yourself, too. I just know the word writer. How, how do you define yourself? What does that mean?
4: Well, game designers, you have to, to, to hinge mechanics on the, on, on the actions in your world. A writer doesn't have to do that. It helps if they're logically consistent and they create a system for stuff like that in their books, but it's not absolutely not. You can be surrealist. And uh, surrealism is not something that I would say fits into game mechanics very well.
0: So what kind of game designer are you? Uh, I do this
4: full time and there's like two sides of this. On one side, I am an author, which is, uh, to say that I have an indecent level of control over my books. So I do like everything from the writing to the art direction, anything that isn't an illustration, I basically did or oversaw. And, uh, that's slightly unusual these days. And then, uh, on the other side, I'm, uh, an editor and I commission articles and I, you know, write for other people and, and stuff like that. So, uh uh i'd say i'm a two faced game designer <clears throat> but i 'm not quite as focused on characters as is. i is i'm i'm very much about creating the stage upon which the story is set, and that 's why I have all these different campaigns uh I think like when i when I run and I know we're supposed to talk about this later, but like when I run a game i almost never i almost never sit down with like a plan like i, I like to have multitude of different ways it could go, and I just let people do what they're gonna do i'm I'm a big sandbox g m and so it's about the development of the, the party and their cohesion and, and like where they want to go and then the world will expand and get more detailed. Wherever it is they decide to go, i like, I've already got, you know, a page written, but it'll become 10 pages. And then when they go to another place, there's another five pages. Et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I'd say I'm a setting focused writer. I have good.
1: such admiration for that. Thank you right.
2: well, um boomer, what would you say the real difference between making an adventure for home use is versus making one professionally?
1: Uh, that's an excellent question um the <clears throat> what I'll say is that when you're writing for um an audience that is not people you know, it becomes not just harder, but I would say exponentially harder like i okay, so like I have in my head right now there's an adventure I'm working on. Uh, at the moment this it's going to be published to Bunny Studios I don't want to give too much away about it I'm really proud of it I'm really excited I think people are really going to enjoy it it's for Bloodlines of Black Magic which is a setting that I built with uh uh the incredible uh, Jason Sonia and like if it were for my home game I would have run it already right like like as it exists on the page right now it is I mean, if you if you were to glance at it, like I wouldn't send it to somebody. If somebody was like, "Oh, dude, dude, could you send me like your current notes for for that adventure that you're writing?" I'd be like, "Yeah, totally. Let me get that to you at the end of the weekend." And then I would, <laughs> I, would I would just desperately try to like find some time Saturday, like you know, I'd be like, "Okay, fuck. Okay, I might have an hour." Uh, Saturday and then I work and then maybe I could do something Saturday night and then oh shit maybe see if I could find some some time for Sunday uh, and then like could I could I arguably send it to them on Monday and tell them like old oh, well Monday's the end of the weekend <laughs> like because it's it looks like a disjointed mess like because I have all these notes and I'm, like I know exactly like I have the view of like what I want the adventure to look like when it is in the hands of a GM and but like I have to explain. My logical process for something that would be a hand wavium GM fiat. Like, I have to write the section quote unquote, wandering around in the woods. The adventure is all supposed to take place in this small town. Again, like not, no spoilers, but it's all the all the mystery and all the shit and all the stuff that the characters are supposed to investigate is in town. But there are kind of red herrings that are supposed to lead you to be like, oh shit, maybe there's something out in the woods that's causing this. And in, in case you're wondering, fuck, no, there's nothing out in the woods. But I have to write the sequence being like, Oh, well, here's, you know, here's the big, like, sidebar, wandering around in the woods. If your PCs decide to, like, they want to make some survival checks and some perception checks and go wandering around in the woods, here are the things they can find out. Like, let them do that. Don't railroad them back to town. And here are some clues to what is going on in town that they might find find here's the perception check dc here is the uh heel check dc if they find something that's like dead and they need to like analyze it uh here are the verse and all of those things are shit that i at the tabletop like i as a gm i just hand wave like i'd I'd be like okay cool you guys run around in the woods like how excited are my players to be in the woods like does somebody want to show off is there a ranger in the party is there like trained survivalist is there a fucking druid if there's not a druid they're probably not but like but you want to reward the druid like at the table it's so easy to be like okay you guys oh you guys find this like old campsite and there's like a bunch of like you know beer like obviously people have used this place and like the moment somebody's like oh man i i guess i'll investigate and they'll like they'll roll some dice to investigate i don't fucking care what the number is that comes up if they're like yeah i rolled a 14 i'm like ooh you found this one minor thing and they're like oh that means there's more other stuff to roll but if they rolled a 20 i would have just given them the same information like i don't like that's easy the the the, the tabletop part's simple Yeah. writing for where you're like okay okay gm who's going to run this story i don't know you and i don't know the campaign you're running and i don't know any of your players and i don't know what characters they're playing like I don't know fucking anything, so let me walk you through. Like I'm not gonna pretend you're stupid, but I have to assume your brain doesn't work the same way that I. Which is almost a bigger leap, because I can write for stupid people, but then I mean, like I, I explained something to my four-year-old, like who's not. I mean, he's not stupid, but like he, you know, I'm like, but I have to be like, you are a competent GM who's gonna run your game your way. Let me tell you how I would do it using formal language. So that's yeah, the, to my mind that there's completely it it's just it's it's not just harder, it's exponentially harder. And you're going to miss you're going to miss something and that's why you have a beta reader. And the beta reader goes, "Oh dude, you never like you never gave us a, a skill check DC for these monsters or like you never gave you never gave a reason for this one thing." And you go, "Oh shit, that was in my head. I should up. yeah, fuck, let me completely rewrite that. Give me another weekend." Add that it. That's it. Uh, yeah,
2: that's Awesome. Uh Mike. You're saying, oh, hold
3: on, hold on, hold oh, on. Dude. Sorry. So, essentially what you're saying is like as 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 you're writing it, you're you're trying to account for all the possibilities for complete strangers versus Absolutely. when you're doing it on the table.
1: Absolutely. And then you have to make the decision where you go, "Well, I can't account for every possibility so what's worth even exploring like i i follow uh dennis detweiler on on um tumblr and like dennis detweiler like he he has forgotten more about game design than i'll ever know like in my entire life and like every time he posts and he, but he'll he'll just post like here's what's like random game using and sometimes it's just like whatever adventure like you think you want to write like that's great see if you can boil it down to 50 words and post it as like you know, something much shorter and you're like, Oh fuck, that's genius. And then, you know, you're, you're doing something and somebody's like, Oh, here, here's like the greatest adventure I've ever played. And it was written by like Bruce Cordell. So, so then part in the back of your head, you're like, Oh fuck. what Oh God, you're right. What would Bruce Cordell do? And like, again, like if it were the table, I would have just run this already. And I'm sure my players would have had a great time and it would have been super satisfying, but like, like you have to stop and go, do I need to write a sidebar? What if my characters are white supremacists? like i would never run that adventure
3: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I just GM. that's a waste of god there's no possible way that white supremacist like players or characters would be interested in this like fuck is that is this worth my time because you can you can waste your time spinning your wheels on that i mean you can totally do that That can that can be your thing where you're just like you know because you're not you're trying to design a level for like the original diablo where you're like, no, I'm going to have a ton of people play through this, and, and people are going to look for weird exploits. And, uh, like, you're, yeah, you're, it's not – but it's, it's closer to programming a video game than it is to writing a novel. Because when, when, you're, when you're writing a novel, you're just like, no, you will fucking experience this the goddamn way I tell you to, and you, like, you reader are coming for a ride with me. And, like, if you don't like it – like, Harry Potter does not like, oh, if you don't like wizards, we can change it up. No, it's fuck you. It's wizard time. <laughs> uh, you don't like it? Leave a shitty Amazon review. <laughs> uh, all right that's good.
2: That's good. All right, uh Mike. Same question. I, what What's the difference for you between the homebrew adventure you make and something you have made professionally? Well, I mean, I I typically
4: don't make them for myself. I I, I just let the people find them and then well, then theo- theoretically, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when I when I'm hired to write an adventure, for example, which happens frequently, um. Uh, you get, like, a word count, like, and like he's saying with writing for a blonde audience, you only have so many words, so you gotta choose, like, what really needs to be here, and what can I sacrifice to the altar of, of production costs, and then on top of that, like, if you're working inside of an IP, then there's certain things you have to do beyond, like, whether or not the warp is capitalized, like, there's... There's stuff they won't let you get away with. There's stuff that, like, they if it's licensed to a company, that they definitely have to send it back up to the head company to, like, approve of. And, and I've had to deal with that shit. That's that's some bullshit. Um, and, yeah, like, um, art budget, too. So, like, I had a guy from Mr. of Adventure turn in something. I was really mad at him. I was like, you know, however many apps you need is fine. Just let me know. And I thought that everyone would use this reasonably, Right. Uh, he turned in twelve map orders, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And it's really good. I make my own maps because that would cost uh, over a thousand dollars from any decent cartographer. So like, yeah, there's 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 constraints on what you can do, both in like how many how much ground you can cover for the possibilities of where the adventure goes, and like what actual ground you can afford to have in the adventure. So like, if you really need to have ten super unique combat maps, that's a real big issue. And you're gonna have to have a whole bunch of capital to like afford to do it properly whenever it goes goes off. So, uh, yeah, there there are additional constraints uh, that you just don't have to deal with at home. So
1: yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, one thousand percent. I agree with it, literally everything Myler said.
4: And awesome. Just to, just to point out, the guy did get all the maps he wanted, but I complained at him a lot. And he felt it.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah, he got him. I complained the whole time. I respect that. It's not. Okay. So maps are weird for me. Cause I am not a map, a uh, drawer. Like I far prefer that theater of the mind. Like I come out of that vampire or like, like, like second edition planescape. I, yeah. So for, for turning stuff over like for Paizo where they're just like, okay, wh- like where are your maps or like, here's how many maps you get. I'm just like, I don't Oh, I didn't even think about maps. Oh shit. I'm sorry. Let me let me draw something terrible for you.
3: So so boomer, when we're talking about like creative control, how much creative control do you have when you're writing professionally? Do somebody just tell you, you know, go for it, or do they have like like a starting point they want you to work from?
1: That's a re- that's a really excellent question. Um, okay, so it, it's it's incredibly variable, is what I'll say. And I'm trying to think how I can explain this without like violating any NDAs or, uh, or, or talking about stuff that people would be like, yeah, that was, that's, that's like private stuff. Um, okay. So, so what I'll say is like one of, one of the really earliest, and I don't want to say it spoiled me for it, but like it was, it was a really cool experience. One of the very first things I ever wrote uh, professionally as like the event adve- an adventure, uh, was called the the third riddle and it was for Pathfinder society. It's at season zero, I had run a couple of adventures for Season Zero Pathfinder Society. This is this is back during like the three five days. This is before Pathfinder was like its own game, and I was contacted by uh, Nicholas Logue, who is amazing. I love I love Nick Logue, and he kind of went, "Oh hey man, um, I want to we want to do an adventure that's set in Osirian." And at the time, I had been working on like the the Pathfinder Chronicles campaign setting, which like later later became um, the Inner Sea World Guide when, when it was actually for Pathfinder. And he's like, yeah, um, we don't have a whole ton of information about Assyrian. Uh, we really want a cool adventure set in Assyrian. Um, you know, you g- just go for it. Um, there's like a great adventure. Uh, is it, I think it's Entom- Entombed with the Pharaohs, I want to say is, is the name of it, but it was written by uh, Mike and who with, with whom I am, am friends. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. He's like, yeah, reference that adventure if you need to. Like I'll send you a PDF of it. And then, yeah, write like write me a an Assyrian adventure. That's awesome. And like that, like that was the that was the rules. And I I I think he I think it was called like the I think it said like the third riddle. I think that the name was already chosen for me. Which you'll which you'll have. That's I've I've been contacted many times where they're like, oh, here's like here's the name of the adventure. Here's kind of the theme. Go for it. And you go, oh, that's so 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 cool. Like I'm really excited. And I turned in this weird puzzle-based thing where I'm like, oh, because I when I think when I think Osirian, I think Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones. When I think that, I think kind of like Legend like Legend of Zelda E. Where I'm like, every one of the combats, there's a dumb way to solve it and a smart way to solve it. So like here here's the way you can brute force this, where you're like, okay, then my character headbutts a wall, and then here's the clever way to do it. Uh, where you're like, oh, I figured out the clink, 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 you know, link ding, And it's, oh, this that's the way smarter. And it, that cost me half as much in terms of, of like damage to my character each round. And uh, yeah, I was really proud of it. And then I I, I sent it to Paizo and then hilariously, and this is this is not a secret, but at the time, um the uh, the incredible and admirable Nicholas Logue was no longer an employee of uh Paizo. Uh, by the time he, by the time I turned the thing in and it was actually passed to Josh Frost. And like one of his first questions was, where are the scorpions? I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? Apparently there'd been a mess, an email sent to me where they had the friggin' poster or i the cover, they sent the cover to me and I had just missed it. There were like, I just didn't like, didn't open the attachment or whatever, for whatever reason. And there was a scorpion on the cover. This awesome scorpion. Like, yeah, we have this super cool scorpion splat art. We're the friggin' scorpions in the adventure. And I was like, oh, I've completely missed that that there's supposed to be scorpions in the adventure. And so I had to like rewrite a big section of it. Like, so that is like that's the experience. And then like other end of the spectrum, I've had um, I've gotten stuff from from companies where we're like, here are the five encounters we want you to write. Here's the order of them. Here, is, here are the NPCs we want you to use. Like, really, honestly, what I'm being hired to do is to write some flavor text for the introduction. Like, here is, you know, encounter zero, the hook, the part where the NPC tells you what to go do in the next set of encounters. And then I'm kind of being hired to, like, finish out some stat blocks in order to, like, balance the combat. And that is not necessarily something I'm, I'm, I'm as passionate about, but like that. that so, so yes, how much creative control do you have? It, it really completely depends on the assignment. It depends on the company, it depends on what the company wants from you at that exact moment would be my answer.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, just depending on the assignment and what they're, they're wanting to pull from you, M- Mike, is it the same for you from, from your aspect?
4: Mike? I was muted. Sorry, I muted myself. Oh. Um, <laughs> It depends. Like so, for Mr. Akuma or whatever, uh, like one of my campaign settings, I can do whatever I want, and I and I do. Like I have a whole adventure where you, like, invade a high school, kidnap two kids, kill them, blaspheme the bodies, and then like run away from the city. And like most people look at you like, are you serious? You want me to publish that? But like, yeah, yeah, you're definitely gonna publish that.
0: My world. One of your one of your goals with what you built was full creative control.
4: Yes, indeed. Yes, I'm very. That's super important to me. Um, But that said, um, yeah, I think the I think I'm gonna go with an anecdote. So like when I was working on Black Crusade, when uh, Worm 40K was uh, licensed to Fantasy Flight Games, uh, I got to work on the Nurgle book, which is you know the the father of disease, et cetera, et cetera. I got this mud world. What? Oh, I just said hell yeah, Papa Nurgle. Yeah. Yeah, Papa Nurgle. Much respect. Um, so I wrote Meyer, which is, uh, this, like mud world of, you know, plague and stuff. And I really wanted a Kaiju made out of corpses and it would just throw corpses off of itself and explode. And I was like, this is perfect. Like what is more Warhammer 40 K than a Nurgle Titan made out of corpses that throws exploding corpses? Like, Oh my God. And they sent it up to games workshops and they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. And I was like, no, I'm like, can we fight for this? And I had a wonderful project manager. Um, and he was like, you know what, I, I will, I will pull for you, and we got it in the book, and I'm so happy that's part of the Warren regular. But like, yeah, you'd never think like, why would you guys not want this? Like, this is perfectly in the universe for what what we're doing here, and you got to have that's a good team. So to, confusing to me, yeah, right? Like, why? I, I was so flabbergasted when I got that email. I was like, are you? Is this? Is you meant to email me, right? Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I did not want this rejection letter. I wanted you to publish my novel and send me one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like, what is? It seems to be some error. I was just to loop out, not for too long. I promise. But I was just gonna say that the the concept of like the auteur, because I really like that you used that term earlier, and I think it was, it's like super accurate. There are. I I have made the argument before that different creators, and I always use like the the film example, but like different creators benefit or flounder depending on how much creative control they have. And I think it, there's this really delicate balance of finding how much creative control you yourself like are rewarded by. Cause like, I, I am not what I would call like a Michael Bay fan. I don't like Michael Bay. And I think he has too much creative control these days. Like I, I see, I have never watched <laughs> any of this later. Um, Transformers movies but I remember there was somebody's complaint that in one of the Transformers films like all the characters go to uh, like some like it's like a little Spanish mission it's like this little Catholic church that's like out in the middle of nowhere and there's a shot and it's a cool looking shot where it's like Optimus Prime standing there next to all of like the little candles that have all been lit and he's like talking to the humans and somebody was like who the fuck lit those candles like this is supposed to be like an abandoned Catholic church out in the middle of nowhere and the answer to the question who the fuck lit those candles is no one or it was a guy who was working on set. Fucking Michael Bay thought that would be a cool-looking shot, and he was right, but it doesn't fit in the film, and no one can tell Michael Bay no. right? Because he is just in charge of everything, and he just has complete uh, he's creative control, and it's, and it's to his own detriment. It's the detriment of his filmmaking that he's allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants.
2: That's kind of what happened to Lucas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's exactly I, what happened to
1: Lucas. Yeah, yeah it's exactly it, what happened to Lucas. No one, no one to told have- him no
4: boundaries yes. to for like, like, you know, people, you can be like, Hey man, is this insane? Can I, can we do this? Cause like, I've wanted to include uh ro- zombie dinosaurs in like all of my world settings so far. And every time the guy, Mike, we're doing an Eastern fantasy book. No zombie dinosaurs. Mike, we're doing a book about like playing evil characters and a deco punk, like gold, everything, 1920s, no zombie dinosaurs. Mike, it's in the future. Why would we have zombie dinosaurs? So like, <laughs> It is good to have boundaries, for sure. And some people, like, sometimes it's really, like, it, it, it produces better content than if you were just, like, splatting everything out. Because you have to, like, refine each time you come back and get, like, you know, okay, well, it can't be zombie dinosaurs. well What if we do this kind of zombie thing with this kind of lizard people, blah, blah, blah. And you might come up with something really good at the end.
0: Did you Absolutely. ever get your zombie dinosaurs? Oh, uh,
4: yeah, actually. Vast caveat, the next thing has zombie dinosaurs.
3: <laughs> Are you a big Harry Dresden fan?
1: I am not, actually.
3: Uh, there, if you like zombie, zombie dinosaurs, dinosaur. you got to start reading Harry Dresden. Yes, right.
1: yes, you do. I'll give it
3: a shot. Yeah.
1: I will. I have also been told this, and I have never read any of the Dresden Files books, and I've, I've been told they're excellent. And I all, need to... all I have to
2: say is Polka will never die.
1: Okay, I, think die.
2: I have told you this before, Boomer.
0: I want to write fan fiction where Royden Poole meets Harry Dresden.
1: I, you have my. I cannot give you any information about whether Jim Butcher will say yes. Although I, my feeling is that well, he will. Say no, but I don't I think do authors have, my,
0: have any choice in fan fiction. I think well, I can just write fan fiction.
1: <laughs> I would, yeah, but I would like to say you have my full fucking blessing, and that's you know, and as, as long as half the people, but it's yeah, like the, creation by committee often tends to be really terrible. But like, yeah. I, there, there's a line from I think it's the uh, the Red Letter Media where it the, the on that topic of George Lucas where
2: yeah
1: the guy from Red Media like he just watches that opening sequence of Star Wars where it's the like that original Star Wars where it's the tiny tiny little ship that's escaping and it's a giant fucking star destroyer that comes in and it, and he just stops he just goes this one shot is so good And establishes the universe. It establishes the scale. It shows us who our good guys are, how how matched they are. The bad guys, like, this is so amazing. This is so breathtaking. This uses the visual, like, the frame, the canvas in front of us. It uses it so well that not only do I not believe George Lucas had a hand in this, but I believe George Lucas fought it every step of the way. Right. And I believe that he lost, and that makes me so happy. And you just got to go, well, I don't want to say that about Lucas. Like, I I don't know George Lucas. I don't – I'm not – I don't want to disrespect him in any way. Like, I, don't, I don't fucking know him. Um, uh, Have like,
2: watched every moment of special fe- features footage of every Lucas property DVD that I own? Yes. Um, I feel I know him to an extent. And the Red Letter Media guys are right on most of the things they
1: bring up. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I remember seeing some little bit where it's, uh, it's him and – I think it's like uh, Samuel L. Jackson is like kind of giving the camera. Yeah. A tr- and he at one point asks – um just kind of casually just like oh hey hey look at hey, everybody it's george lucas he's like i was kind of wondering if mace windu could have uh like a purple lightsaber because this is like for episode one and lucas like d- like as if he's, like the way i would explain it to my four-year-old he's like well good guys have red lightsabers and bad like and well yeah bad guys have red and good guys have like either blue or green and i was like i don't feel i would have gotten that answer from peter jackson like i, I feel like if like if there was a moment on one of the DVDs of somebody running up and being like, hey, I want to have one of those cool Urukai swords. I don't feel like Peter Jackson would be like, mm, the good guys don't have swords that look like that. I feel like it'd be like, oh, now that's a really interesting idea. Why would your character have yeah, one right? of these blades? Well, now the blade you wield was actually forged here. And this is the kind of steel it was made out of. And it's a tra- like that you know, traditional sword play that was practiced by the Numenorians. But honestly, it could make sense because the that area was invaded by orcs at during this time. Like, I feel like he would have a fucking answer for it. I'm so
2: glad that I'm not the only one that goes down these rabbit holes. sometimes.
1: (laughs) yeah, that's anyway, but like, yeah. So I, I feel like Christopher Nolan, like he hit his peak of like how much creative control he could, should have over what shit he's allowed to make. Mm -hmm. I feel like he did that with inception and I feel like he went past that with dark Knight rising in, in my opinion for also interstellar. Right, like I think you can't – if someone comes to you and gives you the pitch for Inception, you are right to not write them a check. And you're like, I'm sorry, it's what? I'm like, oh, that's the fucking horrible fever dream I had X amount of time ago. You should be like, no, you can't make that movie. But they gave him enough leash that he was just allowed to do it for Inception and it was great. And then they gave him more leash and he made Interstellar, which I I personally didn't care for. That's, just, that's on me. Uh, but, like, it, yeah, like, there's there's an exact amount of total freedom to do whatever the fuck you want, and you have to hit that sweet spot.
4: I'll add that as a person who sometimes commissions stuff, I always give people enough rope to hang themselves because then I can draw it back. But if you already start, like, pushing, like, hey, you have to do it this way. It has to be like this, da-da-da. It's, it's
1: less – it's messier to give up
4: uh, control than to take more control over when you're coming from it, the producer side.
1: I, I totally agree. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. I have complete creative control over some shit on my Tumblr and not all of it's gold, man. I'll be the probably the first to say, not all that is gold. I have less creative control over the stuff I do for bloodlines of black magic with uh, Jasonia. And I think, I think that work is all the stronger for it. I think if I just got a, we just got a really nice review from N zeitgeist on bloodlines of black magic. And I think if you reviewed something that was purely boomer with no other, like no, no other thumbs in the pie, no other cooks in the kitchen. I don't, I don't think it would have been a nearly as positive review. I think it would have been very like, okay, I think I see what you're trying to do. Uh, Three out of five stars. Better luck next time. So um, I'm
0: going to ask – we have two questions left in this part, but I'm going to ask to try to make the answers a little quicker. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to change things up and ask Myler first. Please, dear God, do so. I want to hear you. Myler, if I wanted to write professionally, how would I get into it? And specifically for game design.
4: Okay, well, it depends on what kind of what writer you want to be. If you want to just do it as, like, a hobby or if you want to do it professionally or semi-professionally, uh, I would say first thing you should do is email me at mike.myler.adventures at gmail.com, and I will give you more specific device. Uh But get yourself published. If you can't get yourself published, um, publish something yourself to prove that you can do it, and then show that to people who you want to publish your work. Um, so, yeah, that's what I did. I released, I think, two products. And then, after that, I just started selling products to people and blah 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 blah. here I am now.
1: That's a fantastic answer thank you boomer um that i I'm gonna echo Mike in that it is like reach out with your specific desires to to people who are already established in the industry um i I presume that he does not have the same. System now, but I remember Owen Stevens used to have just a completely uh, open door policy. He was just like, yeah, if you have any questions about game design, like, fucking ask me, like, send send me the email. Now, Owen Stevens is one of the busier humans who's ever existed uh, at the moment. But, like, yeah, if you want, one of the things I love about game design is that although there is a bar to entry, it is a lower bar to entry than a lot of other stuff. Novel writing is like, used to have a super high bar to entry and that bar to entry drops every day. Like you can just, like the only thing I think I can think of that has a lower bar to entry would be like porn star, I guess. Like you can just decide you're a porn star and be doing it, it's like, that's your thing now. Like, you okay cool, now there's porn of me on the internet. Um, Getting paid for it is much more difficult but like there's – I mean there, there's there's great novels that are just sitting on the internet where you just go, yeah, a guy fucking wrote this. Here it is. Like press a button and you can read it. And then Patreon and Kickstarter, like if you establish – you're like here is my – here's the shit I have written. Like you you can get found and then once you have like a corpus, like like a, like a CV where you're like, oh, here is the shit that I have already written, um, that becomes much more – much easier – if you were to then reach out to, I don't know, like, I, I don't, I don't know the, the, the process by which you would like contact somebody at Green Ronin or Green Ronin, I guess, and uh, contact them and say, hey, I would like to write for you. But I'm certain they have a relatively simple set of hoops to jump through, and part of that would be like, here's what I've already written. Um, there, it exists. It's you can look at it. Anybody can look at it. And uh, I'm interested in any work that you might have for me. I, that's, and yeah, because of Patreon, you can reach out and just say, hey, I do stat blocks, for example. I, Boomer, i am not – it's not that I'm not good at math. It's that I don't have the time to crunch the numbers the way I used to. Like when I was a young man without children, I could just crunch numbers all day long, and it was super fun for me. And nowadays I find other people to do it for me. But yeah, that, yeah if, you, if you want to do game design, like you can do it.
0: And I want to throw out there too. There is a great free publication out there called Wayfinder that takes submissions. If you're interested in writing Pathfinder stuff, and I know a lot of people that have written in Wayfinder have gotten jobs at Paizo.
1: Oh, fuck, I'm I'm one of them. Yeah, I I I, I have written for Wayfinder and I, I, I love it. And As they
4: sometimes uh, turn the stuff in Wayfinder into canon for the Galarian setting.
1: Nice. I don't think they've ever done that for my work, but that's because my work, you know, maybe, maybe that's good. People, There are people who are doing amazing stuff on, on Wayfinder. Pick it up.
2: Um, so as a person that GMs a lot and everything, I find that I have a lot of trouble um, setting down time to actually do my prep work and thing. How do you guys find time to write? Mike, how, how, how easy is it to find time to sit around and write?
4: Uh, well, I do this full-time and from home, and I don't have children. I have a dog, a puppy, that requires a lot of walking and shit. But other than that, I just work all the time. Uh, although I don't get much done during, during the day because people give me emails i got to answer, messages. Uh, yeah. Which isn't to say you should message me, you should. It's just, I, I dislike the amount of time I spend uh, doing correspondence. Um, I typically get most of my work done uh, after midnight and before 5 in the morning.
1: Ah, I see, uh, Boomer. How about you? Those those are such golden hours. That midnight to five a.m. I just I love myself. right. Like no fucking emails coming in, nobody
4: bothering me. Just da la da
1: Just Yes, yeah, silence like that. Oh yeah. I also I when when I I work. I remember somebody was like, oh, what music do you listen to when you write? I was like, I can't listen to music. That oh my god, that's that, it, it would distract me. Um no yeah I love I love I love the silence. Uh, occasional passing cars. Um, I, to, to answer your question, I don't know exactly how I find time to write because I do it so infrequently and so rarely. I sometimes feel very, very guilty when I like steal a half hour of time in order to get ready. My my wife and I were just talking the other day and uh, she even – she said something about like like there's a new schedule that we may – because we're in summer, summer right now. So neither of the kids is in school, but uh, my boy is going to be heading into uh, a 4k, uh, here in the, uh, in the fall. And there's like, there's a, there's this one way we could juggle things. She's like, yeah, that might give you like three hours a week. And like, I got tingles. I was like, Oh my God, three hours of just like writing a week. I would be like, I, like I'm salivating at the thought of it. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I care for and I, I don't I don't want to overstate the level of my my wife's incapacitation, but she is uh she she had uh, a full thyroidectomy and and uh, neck dissection like less than a year ago, and uh, she is not I won't I won't say it was like oh my wife is sick, but yeah she's not well. These these are facts. I'm the sole breadwinner for my family. Uh, we just got Kate through school. She just finished out her last semester, and I couldn't be more proud of her. And I've got a particularly rambunctious two-year-old and four-year-old. So yeah, I am uh, I am not available to do writing in general. And oftentimes, what you see on my Tumblr represents me burning out my 101th percentile. Ah, geez. where you just go. Where you go, oh, this, uh, th- this is three paragraphs. Like, I wonder how long it took Boomer to do that. And you go, well, that was in fifteen-minute bursts over the course of two weeks. Okay. That, yeah, that is that is the answer. Both sides of the spectrum, there. All right, I get you. Yes, and it is a suboptimal system. And but hey, man, all things are, uh, wh- wh- all things are fleeting, even sadness.
4: Well, I never gotten, I haven't gotten Boomer to work on any of my stuff because every time I'm like, Boomer, he's like, i oh, have another baby, and I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> that would be accurate. That's was- process. <laughs> Again, suboptimal.
0: So we have a short amount of time for some, you know, talking about adventures, talking about RPGs. Um, so we're going to do a little round robin. We're going to try to make it quick. Um, so I don't know how many people here GM. Actually, I think it's everybody. <laughs> I think so, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's everybody. If, so, if anyone GM here doesn't
1: GM, just yell it out real loud right now.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so when you run a game, do you pre-write... Make it up as you go along with prep or use pre-published. And we're going to start with Boomer. And this is well, personal running a game.
1: Uh, that that's a, That is a great question. Uh, the last time I sat down and ran a campaign, I really went out of my way to try to um, – the, the, I, I set my bar really, really high. I, I aimed for an 11 out of 10 uh, for, like, the the final the masterpiece I was going to deliver to my players. Now, that uh, that campaign has, like – 99% of all the campaigns that have ever been run by anyone that that campaign has gone the way of the dodo and it ended in an unsatisfying way and these, these, these things happen because people's lives change uh, but this one was specifically um, one where, where Kate was like oh I'm interested in, in playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons and I went oh cool like I because uh, I'd never played she'd never played at a table that I'd run and I kind of went oh man I, you get one chance for this like, you, you get one <laughs> chance. like if she doesn't have a good time she ain't gonna ask for it again. So I really said that I ended up deciding to run the uh, the Carrion Crown adventure path, and actually I actually have a, a bunch of uh, at least two articles that are on on my Tumblr about my experience trying to, to prep that adventure path because I I had never played through Carrion Crown. I had started a Carrion Crown campaign uh, as a player that uh, fizzled out, which I was, I was very sad about. Um, I'm an old school Ravenloft fanboy. I love Innistrad from uh, Magic: The Gathering. I like Ustalav, the uh, nation. And I really went, this is going to be super awesome. So I, yeah, I used pre prepared adventures and then I dicked with it and dicked with it and dicked with it until I got it to where I wanted it to be, which included a bunch of like super random emails to like Wes Schneider, where I was like, so Wes, I have a question for you. When you were doing the, uh, uh, (laughs) the, uh, Carrion Crown adventure path, um, what, like, what, what were you thinking? And there was a lot of, improvisation because there was something Mike said earlier which is like you can sit down with a half page to play and then when you're done you have 10 pages worth of notes and because it's so is fed off of by the players and I I I am an old school back in the day when I used to run I mean back in like junior high even like 93 94 uh ninety six you know when I was like, maybe sixteen when I used to run a planescape i remember sh- i was I was sitting in the bathroom, you know, not to get too graphic, not to get too personal, but I was sitting in the you know I, I was taking a dump before game, and I thought to myself, ooh, in tonight's session, I would like to have a moment where a sniper takes a shot at one of the p c s and misses like while well, they're walking to like a big uh like a big courtyard or like a big uh, like, like in, a, in a city, they're passing through like a, a big open stall, like market area. And I just want that crossbow bolt to like whiz right past somebody's face. But I didn't, I didn't know which character I wanted to have them do it. I didn't know who was trying to kill them or why, or you know, I'm like, oh, then I just barely miss like, a gra- like graze your cheekbone kind of shot. And, oh, I think that'll be really fun. That is the game I'm going to run tonight. And then I ran that session and everybody loved it. And it was, uh, and it was very successful, um, but yeah, that, 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 was a level of seat of my pants that I cannot do in the modern day. But, uh, but Milo, I want to ask, I want to ask you the, the exact same damn question, which is how much, like how much prep do you do? And do you use anybody else's published adventures? Tell me, tell me now. Ooh, that's
4: a good question. Uh, I <laughs> typically have a ton of prep. Um, and that's how I have these huge campaigns. I and sometimes I do use other people's adventures when I'm in like a bind for like a dungeon or something. I just need to distract them while I prepare something for where they're going to go next like oh you're going to fly across the great divide into the apocalypse lands okay well uh first you need to go to this place and spend 5 games there um <laughs> yeah so when I, when I'm in a pinch for time I will use other people's published adventures but yeah I do a lot of prep and I kind of just let the players hang themselves uh but Erica when you run what's what's your what's your what's your plan do you use plans uh
3: plans what are those um yes to, to an extent. Um, I've started adventures from like different perspectives. Uh I purchased pre adventure plans and just kind of like <laughs> as Boomer said, dicked around until I made it my own. Um other oh, yeah. times, uh, and I've had the most success with this, is I will flip through um a monster manual. And I will just pick a monster that I want to build a story around. And I will just, you know, that'll be my starting point. Like, how do we get to that place? Who is it? Why are they going there? And I just work backwards. And uh, I've I've had some really good success with that as well.
4: Uh-huh. Moonwalking Adventure Design.
3: What do you call that?
4: Moonwalking? Oh, Moonwalking. Okay. Yeah, you're
1: heading uh, one direction, but it looks it's like. Is a it's-
4: move popularized by Michael Jackson <laughs> in the 1980s, 1990s?
3: I didn't hear you because you came off mute, too soon. So oh. I got you. Right. I got gotcha, you. Gotcha.
4: I'm mute walking
2: over here, and
3: it's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, David. What about what about you?
2: <laughs> well, most of the campaigns I run, uh, I start with a pre-published adventure. I'm currently running a Kingmaker game, Pathfinder. I'm currently running a Giant Slayer game in Pathfinder, and I'm also running a fifth-ed game for another group of friends of mine. And we're starting from pre-published adventures, but when I run them, they're more like guidelines. I add things all the time. I ad lib. I forget to do things. I it's it's a lot of fun. And my players tend to enjoy it. I love random tables. I always have. I always will. There's something so much fun about just rolling a D100 and seeing what happens. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Brian, how about you? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> that That's
0: pretty much the answer. I, um, I use pre-published. I make my own. I use pre-published and put my own in it. I'll even do my own and somehow integrate a pre-published adventure into... My own thing. Um, I usually don't use um, my own campaign setting, though. I'm doing everything with another campaign settings material. So it's usually easy to come up with things and integrate things because I have a lot of a background info to work from. And I don't have to do that myself. Um, And there's a lot of makeup as I go as well. So, yeah, I use everything.
1: Uh, Um, I was going to ask, does anybody here have that like one adventure you go back to? Where you're like, I've run this before, or I've used, I've stolen so many pieces from it before that like that one adventure just sits on your shelf, and or or, or just even sits in the back of your head. Where you're like, oh, I know, I know a thing I'm going to steal from that next.
0: Any of do that? I do it with society uh, modules all the time. I'll grab a little thing, like if I need an encounter or something, I'll be like, well, I really like this encounter from this specific um, scenario. I'll just use that.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, you know, I. I don't, but I do have an adventure I've had sitting on my shelf for years, so I'm just like dying to play. Um, the fucking Rasputin must die. Oh, oh, yeah. Right? Like I bought it just because, like, how could you not buy that? And so I've been waiting for somebody to run it. I almost had somebody to run it. I almost had somebody. I don't want to run myself. I want to play through it. Like, oh.
1: I I not no spoilers. I mean, this for a thing that doesn't exist. Um, I was I had my plans to swap that adventure in to the Carrion Crown AP. Like, to just just to throw it in there. Because I, I don't particularly care for Wake of the Watcher, and which is which is not an insult to Wake of the Watcher. I just don't think that it fits quite as well into uh, Carrying Crown as the rest of the adventures in that adventure path. Like, I think I could run that, that adventure, like, on its own. But for the Carrying Crown adventure path, I was, like, scouring the internet to see if anyone else had done that. And if they had done it, if they had any fucking advice on how to do it. Uh, but I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm doing rescue must die. I'm going I'm I, after, after everything else I've established for my PCs, I'm just sending them to Russia where they will be shot and have to fight rescue.
0: So we are out of time to no. continue this discussion here, but we can do that in the bonus episode for Patreon because I need to give these excellent writers time to promote their own work. Yes. Um, so, um, boomer, um, where Hello. do people find you? How do people find your work? If people want to contact you, how do they do that?
1: Oh, excellent question. Um, I mean, not the best question I've asked. I've been asked like you've you had way better questions. Well, <laughs> that was a good one. That's a good one. I'll give you that one. Uh, no, um, you can find me. I am the only Clinton J. Boomer, uh, or uh, that's that's on the internet at this time. Like I have just, a, just a unique enough name. Um, if you Google uh, Clinton J. Boomer, you can definitely find my novel, which is called The Hole Behind Midnight. It is on Amazon. You can also buy it directly from the publisher, uh, which is Broken Eye Books. Uh, You can find my work. uh, I worked on the Inner Sea World Guide for Paizo. I've got a bunch of other stuff that I've done for Paizo over the years uh you can uh definitely pick up a copy of bloodlines of black magic which is out now from uh storm bunny studios you can find that on amazon you can also find that on drive Through rpg uh if you type my name into drive-thru rpg you can find a whole bunch of stuff that has my name on it or is is vaguely associated uh with something i've worked on you can find mm, you can actually find me on facebook uh I, I have a whole bunch of friends i don't have a separate author page because i don't uh, have the time or energy to have done that thing that is actually probably more simple than i'm expecting um one of my handles that i used i started using it a long time ago back before i was almost 40 uh which is the that boomer kid t-h-a-t b is in boat double o-m-e-r k-i-d so you can find me on tumblr there i'm the last tumblr user as far as i can tell uh no porn uh on my site so i'm safe uh, from the uh, powerful twitter purges And uh, uh, if anybody wants to email me, uh, I am thatboomerkid at gmail.com. I'm very easy to get a hold of. I do not promise to respond to you at all. And um,
0: Myler, um, you have a Kickstarter promote. You have um, websites and Twitters and stuff. How do people get a hold of you? What are you working on? Go. All
4: right. Uh, You can find me at mikemyler.com.
0: Or on Twitter at
4: MikeMather2, or on uh, the Facebook. Uh, I have campaign settings of which uh, Mr. Akuma is about to release a new um, edition, like an anniversary edition with like traditional page backgrounds and black text and extra content. It's awesome. right. Really? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and then uh, my next project is called Vast Cavia. It has a website, v a s uh, t k a v i y a dot com, and a mailing list if you want to be like notified when that Kickstarter goes off. But the one going on right now is my bosses, one of my bosses, uh, Morris at EN World, is doing the A Touch More Class Kickstarter, which is a book of uh, nine new classes for 5th edition. Uh, you can also get the revised and improved A Touch Of Class book, which has seven classes in it for uh, a total of 16, which are also available in a hardcover called the Master Class Codex. Uh, and it's insane. Uh, while we've been doing this Kickstarter, it's, it, or while this, this is recording, it's gained like $700 dollars. Uh, and it's killing my life, and I can't wait for it to end in 13 days. So if you are listening to this before July 18th, check it out. Uh, Maybe it's for you. There are free previews of the Geomancer, which is like a Feng Shui-type elementalist magic user and the Savant, which is like uh, Batman or uh, Sherlock Holmes by Robert Downey Jr., or just regular Sherlock Holmes. Uh, They're all really neat. It's great. And, uh, yeah.
0: Erica, I know you have some stuff to promote. Um. You're... Um this is where you can talk about your I know, publication. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um yeah, so uh you can find me at gritdaily.com. Um I write articles on there. I have a bio page. Uh you can also uh reach me at Twitter at Kersey Smurf Erica and uh email me at Erica at gmail. So I'm just working on Umbrella Academy stuff right now. And I just did a uh, review of a, a cool bluegrass band. So um, just check me out.
0: And, you know, you can get a hold of me and David on the Facebook or on or on um, email. That stuff is at the beginning of the podcast. David, did I never put your email
2: address at the beginning. I don't think so. I need to do that. Yeah. i I was gonna bring it up but it's not all that important so i mean sure yeah please do but
3: well brian and i were talking the other well what a week ago about a lot of updates that we want to make
0: yeah we're working no one no one ever emails us anyway so it's fine i
3: i get messaged
0: wow i never do never mind Uh, well anyway um this was a fantastic episode. Um, Boomer and Mike, you guys are amazing. Um, yes, thank Boomer, you so much. It was I'm a lot of fun. I'm so glad you finally made it. Yeah. Boomer's electric. It's fucking awesome. It was, yeah, no,
1: dude, I was honored to be here, man. This was delightful. Can you – wait. Oh, yeah, cool. Sorry, my little thing popped that says I was muted. No, this was wonderful. I would love to do this again literally anytime. Cool.
0: Yeah, we, we got Spider-Man to talk about. We got – um um urban fantasy. It it can go a million different directions.
3: I just have to take a second right now, Boomer, to let you know that Brian was telling me about, we were talking about what kind of show we wanted to have today. And I was like, well, it's Mike, so it's got to be gaming related. And he's like, yeah. And I was like well, why don't we reach out to Boomer and see if he wants to be on? And Brian was like, no, he's so busy. I don't know. And he was super embarrassed. I was like, you just got to reach out to Boomer. And then like, what, 10 minutes later, he's like, "He's going to join us. He was super, he fanboyed. It was great.
1: I, I fanboyed a little myself because uh, Mike Myler – I don't know if you know this. Mike Myler is one of my favorite humans, and you guys are also several of my favorite humans. So this was just – and this all takes me back because I believe – stop correct me if I'm wrong – that you, Brian, and you, Mike, and I all got to hang out at PaizoCon years and years and years ago.
0: We did, and I actually met you-, you both on the same day.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, – yeah. Cigarette pit. Yeah, that was a great, a great pit. I don't smoke anymore, but I do like, I, I found myself the last time as a positive guy, I I happened super randomly happened to be in Seattle to work for, uh, valve. I I worked on uh, the artifact, uh, card game. I did a bunch of the, like the dialogue for the, uh, the little cards when they come into play. Um, and I just happened to be in Seattle at the same time as PaizoCon, so I just, like, ghosted the con, just, like, showed up on, like, I think it was Friday night or Saturday night and found myself in the smoking area, and I was just so happy. I'm like, I can still hang out with you smokers. I love you so much. Yeah, i me really happy because the smoke pit, it's, uh, it's, uh, those are my people. They're my people, gamer gamer, students. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, funny because I, I do I the same smoking. thing. I quit, too. Yeah, yep. I
3: stopped smoking so It with the smokers, so.
2: <laughs> yep. And I, I I vape and go to the smoke pit. I don't even <laughs> I don't even vape anymore, so I, I got myself off of that as well. I'm cutting yeah. slowly but surely.
3: Yeah, I never vaped. I just decided one day I was fucking done, and no, I
2: did I vape for two years and got myself off of it. So. I okay, I'm like
0: gonna that. wrap this up so we can jump into the bonus episode. Yes. Um, this has been Super Vegan Brian. I was joined by Chrissy Smarferka. Ah. David Theobald III. Goodbye, nurse. The amazing Mike Myler.
1: <laughs>
0: and that boomer kid. Hello. <laughs> this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy. Stay informed. And stay awesome.
1: Stay awesome. Stay
3: awesome.
1: Stay super awesome.